Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. So I was with one of my uh, dearest friends, you hear me talk about him all the time, and so he teaches at Concordia University, and there was a guy named Miroslav Volf, and I say there was, he's still alive, but he was coming to speak at this conference that they were having there, it was in the summer, and um, he called me because he knew I would be just as interested, and as I'm looking out at your faces, I don't think any of you would have taken your time out to go and hear this guy, because you're like, uh, who? Um, but he is brilliant. He's Croatian. Uh, he actually is the head of theology and culture at Yale. And just, he's one of those really smart guys that's just warm. He's got that balance. Like, you just know that the Holy Spirit is part of his life. I mean, he's a normal guy. I'm sure he has body odor and all the other stuff. But, but there's, so I, I, we were there. And I brought my notebook. And um, we were taking note. I mean, you know, you come here, someone speaks, sometimes you're like this, but I was an active student. I was taking notes galore because this guy's a treasure, and he was talking about forgiveness, and he was sharing so many good things. I'm like, this is like 12 sermons, so you should be thanking Miroslav Paul for when that time comes because there was so much beauty, there, and it was so good that afterwards, Nordy and I went and said, okay, we got to talk about this. Let's talk about what we learned. Let's talk about the scriptures he brought up and, the, and the, the way he interpreted some of the things and the way he defined it because it was so deep and it was so rich. There was so much treasure that we couldn't mine it by ourselves. We had to like work on it together. And so what we're going to talk about today is treasure. But the thing about treasure is that it goes unnoticed so often. I mean, that guy was right here and none of you knew. And if you did know, you'd be like, oh, please don't make I don't want to hear some guy speak from Croatia. His accent's probably so bad I can't even understand the guy. And how many situations do we get in like that? Where we're passive students, not active students. We don't come in taking notes and really getting deep into it. And there's treasure all around us that we should be doing that with. There was a man in my life um, that they adopted us into their family. And so we call him Grandpa Miller. And he was a treasure. Now let's just be honest here. Our culture does a horrible job of valuing the elderly. We're like, oh, my God, I mean, Grandpa, I mean, he's slow, and he just kind of, like, doesn't seem all happy all the time. Man, he's a treasure. And we we tried to spend as much time with him, but then when he passes, you're like, oh, we could have gotten, we should have written a book. We should have done video interviews with him because there was so much treasure in his life. I mean, he... He was in the Korean War, and the stories that happened to him while he was there and his injuries. He grew up in East L.A., um, straight white guy, grew up in East L.A., and he had this amazing community. He was this tall, and then when he got to be a grandpa, he was like that tall. (laughs) 
and he was a professional baseball player. Like somehow from East L.A., he made it to the professional leagues. He handed me towards the end. He goes, hey, you know what? I know how deep of a Dodgers fan you are. Here, you should have this. Because he was telling me all these stories. He told me about meeting Gil Hodges. He told me about Jackie Robinson. He told me about all these other professional players. And then he handed me a signed ball by Sandy Koufax. I was like, what? Yeah, I said Miroslav Volv. No one said anything. I say Sandy Koufax. <gasps> what? <laughs> and so he hands this. I mean, he, he was a treasure not by that. It was all the other stuff. There was so much treasure there, and so many of us missed really mining it. And the verse we're going to look at today, and here's the thing about the verse we're going to look at. I think I'm breaking preaching rules. There's no official guideline for these, by the way. But I'm just choosing one verse, which is really difficult for me, by the way, because I love, you know, you only see the 10 slides with just scripture verses. I hardly ever put anything up that's not a scripture verse. So this is really hard. I'm staring at... I'm staring at basically three slides, and it's the same verse. In fact, I'm not even doing the whole verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. But we are just going to focus on this. And even this, I want to try to explain, but then I want to, I want to give you a different translation of it. I want to give you a different translation so that when we look at these, we're going to mine this verse, we're going to look at it, we're going to take our time, and we're going to see the treasure in here. We're also going to see the treasure that they're talking about in here. Now, we have not been breaking any Bible-speeding laws as we go through Acts. I think we're like August, September, October, and here we are, Acts 2. Okay, and now it looks like we're going to slow it down even more. So brace yourselves. So here we are. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But I want to give you a different look at it. So this is the last slide I have. We've run out of slides. So here it is. When it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it's not saying devoted. We've talked about what that word means before. Let's look at it this way. This is a mixture of, of translations. They steadfastly persevered, disciplining themselves. That's another way to say devoted. The, remember, the Holy Spirit has come. Pentecost has come. Peter has shared. 3,000 have been added to their number. And now we're going to see from this point on, what does the church look like? What's the evidence of the Holy Spirit being there? God's Spirit. And we've said this before. God's Spirit is He. It's God. It's not an it. It's not a smoke that fills the air. It's God Himself. It's not a feeling it's not an emotion. It's God's spirit. And so the evidence of God's spirit is that all of a sudden, they steadfastly persevered, disciplining themselves to be students of Jesus' teaching. Now, when you look at it, the, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles had nothing to share except for what Jesus taught them. And Jesus told them at the end of Matthew, right? I'm still slipping another scripture. I can't help myself. Matthew 28, at the end, he says, now go and teach them all that I have taught you. And that's what they start doing. So they're gathering around because the apostles were the closest to Jesus. He chose them for whatever reason to be the ones that would continue to share what he taught them and everybody else. But it was their responsibility. They were chosen for that. So they jump into it. But how in the world, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. 
could they be that devoted to Jesus' teaching? I mean, it, it, basically what they were doing was writing the New Testament to some degree. And so if you think of it, for us, in our context, think of it as that, that they had the New Testament, but they had it coming from the apostles. So they're telling them. And some of them were not great storytellers. So it's not like, oh, they're so fantastic and so exciting. But when we talk about it for us, when we study Jesus' teaching, we're talking about reading the New Testament, right? But let's be honest here. It is not a very fun book, right? It's not like, oh, I can't wait to open up this book. It's not really a page turner, is it? You ever, in fact, I told my kids, I said, look, when you go out and read literature, there's going to be certain books that everyone says, you've got to read it. And there's certain ones you just have to read because you have to read it, okay? You're going to have to read Catcher in the Rye. And then when you finish, you're going to go, why did I read that? Well, there's all this, it's what happened at the time. And yeah, but like they just kept going and never seemed like anything happened. And this guy is so negative. I said, look, man, there's going to be certain, I was talking to the boys, by the way. That's why I called man. When you're reading, if you don't enjoy the book, to a certain point, you just go, all right, let's move on. And so some of us have done that with the Bible. We're like, this book is lame. Like, I don't get what's happening. It's not that exciting. In fact, I have several books that I just love, spiritual books. They're like my, they're in my top five. I have a really hard time figuring out the top five. But I know a few of them that are in the top five. One of them is Celebration of Discipline. Um, in fact, I just noticed that two of them have the word discipline in it. Uh, so Celebration of Discipline by Robert Foster. Just It's about the, the, discipl- the spiritual disciplines and how to grow through those. The other one is um, uh, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And then uh, really difficult to read and awesome is um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's it was, he never really gave it a title, so some people called it the cost of discipleship, and then some people just call it discipleship. Man, there's such good stuff in there. But, even though I'd rather read those sometimes than the Bible, because don't we do that sometimes? Don't we sometimes go, oh, I don't really want to do that, but I'll do this instead. Or I don't know if I really want to read the Bible, but I'll have someone else teach me about the Bible. This is what you need to understand about the Bible. It's a horrible book because it's not a book. You know what I mean? It's not a book. It was never intended to be a book. And so if you approach it as a book, then like, well, where's the plot? I heard there's all this character development, all these amazing things, but like, really? Some of these things drag. And this poetry at times is good, but I can tell you some really good. It was never meant to be a book. So when you approach it like a book, you're missing out on the treasure. This is God's word. And who doesn't want to have God speak to them? Right? But the truth is, do we really want God to speak to us? I think that's one of the reasons that keeps us from coming to the Bible. Um, when Moses, when, they, when God said, I'll meet you up on the mountain, all the people were there. And they're like, um, you know, Moses, how about you go talk to him? You go see him face to face. We'll stay here. You just come back and tell us about it. Tell us what he said. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like coming here to hear me speak. That sounds like me going to hear someone else speak. That sounds like hearing a podcast. That sounds like sometimes when we go to these these books. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. But we have the opportunity to go to God. These people have the opportunity to go straight to God and listen to him 
and he's inviting them up, and they're like, uh." So not only is God's word difficult because you have to mine it, but it's also like, deep down we know that when we get there, God's going to be there. It's his word. That's how, it's the, everyone's like, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. You really want to hear from God. Then get into his word. And don't treat it like a book. Okay, that's boring. Like, this is kind of a sidetrack, but not really. Because this is what we do with the Bible. One of my favorite novels of all time, I literally cried as a little kid when it ended, was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And when I... But the problem was in some of those places, if you've ever read it, it is not like the movie. It is so boring because he goes through these long descriptions. And so about halfway through, he'd go through these crazy elfish poems. And I'm like, what? what? And I would just skip it because I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. That's not entertaining. And we do that with the Bible because we think it's a book. He's like, well, I don't know. That's boring. Let's go to something exciting because I want something new. I want something great. Hey, I know a great book. In fact, I heard this all the time for a while. The Secret. It's got all these secrets of life. How many books like that have there been? Because we always think we can get to something else. And yet God's word is here waiting for us. I remember my honeymoon with the Bible. I know you were thinking I was going to talk about a different honeymoon. But I remember being in college. And I remember opening up the word of God. I would go on my free time to the library, which is already weird. And I'd go there, and I'd bring a Bible, and I'd bring a notebook, and I'd just start taking notes, reading it on my own because I wanted to during my free time. Because there was such treasure in there. And I remember writing these things down and then coming back and telling all the guys, guys, look at this. And you know what's crazy? They actually looked. What? And I'd start showing them. But then something happens over time. It's just not as fun. It's pretty much what every spouse has said ever in the history of time. Because for you young people, you're going to get married and the honeymoon stage will end and some of the feelings will disappear and then it's going to become mining. Because there's still beauty in that marriage. It's still there. But it's not based on feelings. It's not based on excitement. It's based on commitment. It's based on devotion. It's based on persevering. And when we do that, treasure there's beauty and in God's word that's how we approach it like oh it's just not exciting anymore then you're missing out because it was never meant to be exciting it was meant to be a treasure and we use that word mining like yeah yeah mining have you ever mined before and I'm not talking about when you go to those places and they put gold in there and you're like ooh, I'm mining no I'm talking about mining I'm talking about pickaxe I'm talking where you're getting so hot that you're like I'm getting dizzy I need to take a break Like, this is so hard. Why isn't the treasure farther out here? Why do I have to work so hard? It's not the problem with the Bible. The problem is with us. We just got to get over ourselves and realize this is going to take discipline. This is going to take me being an active student. But it's in there. And it's valuable. I remember um, just this past week, I was mining. I wanted to hear what other people had to teach on this passage. And so one of the teachers I saw, he has his own... They had a video team, and so they had people out in the crowd at this. It was a church, and so they were coming to church. And when they all came in, this is what they looked like. 
this thing locked. We're about to see something really exciting. <laughs> this is what most people look like. That doesn't look like mining to me. There were a few people, they had their Bibles open and they'd go, and there'd be a few people taking notes, but it's like, I'm mining from this guy, wishing he was around as he's trying to open up God's word, because that's one of the ways you can mine, is by having others take you deep and show you things you couldn't see. And yet I looked around at all those other people going, you're missing it. Like he has such treasure that he's sharing with you, and you're like, hmm, do the Chargers play at 10 a.m. or do they play at 1 p.m.? Like, that's a passive learner. That's a passive student, hoping somehow it gets in, right? You know what I'm talking about? You've all had that class. You know, those classes you were really excited about, and then those classes where you're like, I'm just showing up. Let's, I hope something gets in. God's word is, there's so much treasure. Just trust me on this. Mine for it. Grab the pickaxe. Grab the drills. Sometimes you're so tired, you're looking for power tools. Whatever, grab a power tool. Something that helps you to get into his word. Because this is not hard. That's why they said it. I mean, this is not easy. Mining is hard. And that's why it says they were devoted. But here's the thing about God's word. And I didn't realize it till this week when I was thinking about teaching on this. Because I had something different prepared. But I felt like God wants our people to hear this. In fact, our podcast keeps going in and out because there's something in that box, something deep in there that's not working right. And so Stuvie put this little recorder up here. And I'm so glad it's here so the people that aren't here can hear the podcast. You hear me? I want them to hear this because of the impact it's had in my life. God's word, not just the Bible, God's spoken through the Bible to me has changed my life at the most critical times in my life. But how do you know when it's the most critical time in your life? I'll tell you this, I've never known it was the most critical times in my life before that moment. It's always in hindsight looking back. And when I look at three of the most critical times in my entire life, when God spoke to me, and God does not always speak to me, but he's straight up right there. But when he has, it's been through his word. And it's caught me off guard almost every time. But because I had mined it prior, or because I was mining at that moment, God said, you, this is for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I was in high school. I was not a follower of Jesus. I went to go play basketball. I stole one of their Bibles. And then when I came home, I'm like looking through this because I'm like, oh, this is kind of a manual. So I'm looking through it, and I actually stole the Nazarene Manual, because this Nazarene church, they have a little book called the Nazarene Manual. Stole that too. Like I said, I wasn't following Jesus. I figured everything was open game for all of us. For example, steal our Bibles. That's why they're there. We just assume you're like me. So I come and I take this Bible and I'm, I'm mining it. So I'm looking at the manual because I needed a tool because I, I started reading through Genesis. And that's what I told you. It's a bad book. And so I go, I need help with the manual. So I took the manual, and then I looked at some of the verses. But at some point or other, it led me into Romans, and I start reading through Romans, and I get to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, give yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing, which is your reasonable act of worship. 
And when I read that verse, it was nothing. But the next verse, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know his will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And I was like, what? Because at that moment in my life, I knew that God was speaking to me because I was conforming to the world. I was doing what my mom said needed to be done. I was doing what the world said. I was popular. I was working hard at school. I was learning how to be charming to girls. I was working hard at sports. I was successful in that. And it didn't mean squat. And I knew it deep down. I knew that wasn't real treasure. And when I read that verse, do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, I'm like, this is for me. But be transformed, meaning let God's spirit transform you. Turn to him. Let him show you what is the pattern, the rhythm of life that you need. Conform to him. Let him transform you so that you may know his will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. At that moment, I did not know that was a critical time in my life. But it changed the entire trajectory of my life. I was heading there, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. Nobody had to talk me into it because God spoke. There's nothing more valuable than that to know God just said something. So I finished college. I went away to a Christian school because I figured I needed to, because I needed to be an active student. I thought Christian school was going to be all about this. It's not, but it was still awesome. And so I went there as an active student of Jesus Christ. And it was, it's still, I try to send people to that school all the time. And so I go there, and the first week of school, I'm like, this is great. I got a new life, and everyone's on board for the same kind of life. We're going to be having barbecues together. Our kids are going to play together. We're going to do missions together. This is going to be odd. We're going to start businesses together. Because at that time, I thought, I will never do ministry, but I'll do business. That was my plan. God had another plan later. So I'm moving in that direction, and the first week was the worst week ever. There were no classes. You'd think it'd be great. All we did was fun stuff. And I had friends all around me, but there was an emptiness to it. Because I knew that everyone was in for themselves. Everyone was so insecure. And so we go, and I came back to my room at night, and none of my roommates were there. And I just went up to the top bunk, and I went, God, I gave you my whole life. You ripped me off. Like, I gave you everything, and here I am, and it ain't working out. Like, I... I'm following you. And this scripture came. And I, have, I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I'm like, did I ever read that before? Because I don't remember reading it. But this is what God said so clearly it cut through my tears. Are you now trying to please God or man? It dried up those tears right away because I heard from God. And I, it was so clear. I'm like, well, you know the answer. So you're not really asking me the question. You want me to answer and I know what I'm doing. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to please all them. I want them to like me. I'm trying to do all this stuff, and that's not the way this was intended to be. Love your neighbor doesn't mean please your neighbor. It doesn't mean try to get your neighbor to like you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But the verse was Galatians 1.10. Are you now trying to please God or man? Because Paul was saying, look, am I trying to please God? Or man, because if I was trying to please man, I couldn't be Christ's servant. 
that changed the whole direction of my life again. As if I thought, well, this is it. There's no, nothing's ever going to change. This is the way it's going to go forever. <laughs> Another sharp right turn because it was either try to make people happy or just try to honor God and trust him. And there was plenty of other times, but the last one I'll share with you where God's word came in and changed everything and brought life was when I was dying. I know you guys have heard this story a lot. I don't like sharing it because I'm like, oh, I'm boring. I keep bringing this stuff up. But then I keep hearing, no, you need to keep doing it. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do it every once in a while then. But I remember being there, and it was on New Year's Eve, and Steph, then her and the family all came, and they brought him to say goodbye to me up at UCLA. And then somehow, and I, I was in a coma, but I could hear her. And I repeated later to her what I heard so she knew that, no, I was really awake. So whenever you hear someone's in a coma and they can't hear you, don't be buying that baloney because you don't know. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in this situation, but I'm not with them. But And then all of a sudden, I know I'm in God's presence. His word couldn't come in like this. But the waves of love that fell over me. I just always have to tell you guys that. Because I think it's one of the primary reasons God brought me back was to let you know how much he loves you. Because I realized, oh my God, you really do unconditionally love us. Like, really? You want the best for us? You want, you want everything we could have for us? And then... I heard him say this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I sat there knowing that he was asking me, do you want to come home or do you want to stay here? And as we've talked about plenty of times, home, that's where you want to be. But it was clear to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And for me to know that unconditional love. And to know there's other people that may be in this room that don't know that God loves you regardless of what you've done or what you're going to do. And it doesn't matter what your mind says. So often your mind is lying to you. God loves you. Yeah, but I mean, I, I should. God loves you. Ugh. And he loves those people you hate. Yeah, but not. Yeah, he loves them. He loves them. So for me, when he asked that question, do you want to come home? Do you want to stay? The verse that he gave me prior, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. I didn't know where it was. I'd memorized it, but I didn't know where it was. But that's what he needed to show me at that point. He didn't bring up Bonhoeffer. He didn't bring up anything Richard Foster said. He didn't bring up anything from Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. He gave me his word. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Okay, I know to die is gain. And as I've shared with you at that moment, I had that peace. I was not the least bit afraid, which was weird to me. Because even though I talked about it, I thought, well, I'll probably be a little afraid still. None. I said, Lord, you know I want to come home. People don't know this. If you can give me the strength, that's what I want to do. He didn't speak to me after that. But here I am. So for me to live is Christ. It's not just some word in a bad book. It's God's word in the Bible. 
And that's why this is so valuable. This is why we have to mine it. This is why we have to go, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. But I can do this, and it's worth it. Notice, too, it said, and they steadfastly persevered. They, they did it together. <laughs> why would they do it together? Because it's so much easier to do it together. Like John Norton and I, when we listened to, to Miroslav talk, it was like, oh, I want more from this. And so he and I got together, and they, us, we looked at it together. And in God's word, we do that together. My buddy Buzzy, this week, we talked to each other because we wanted to wrestle with God's word. Not because of sermons. We didn't even go over the sermon. Just wrestling with God's word because we realized how valuable it is. And I'm like, man, I don't want to study today. I don't feel like it. But I want it. And so I need your help, man. We need to do this together. That's why we have Bible studies. And it's okay to go through other books in these Bible studies. Don't call them Bible studies, though. <laughs> right? Because when they started, it was just people getting together, looking around God's word, just studying the Bible together. But now we're like, well, let's look at this book. And hey, why don't we look at this? And hey, why don't we watch this video? And those things are all blessings. But don't let those things take you away from hearing from God directly. Make sure that you have a rhythm, a pattern, a discipline in your life. You're steadfastly persevering to be in his word because it's valuable. It's the word of life. It brings life so that you can have life and have it to the full. I want to close with this. So there's a few things you can do. Obviously, you just start reading the Bible. But you'll probably get to the same point as I did at some point. Oh, this is not a good book. It's not a book. Look at it as God's word. Sit down and go, Lord, I want to hear from you. And there's going to be plenty of times when you're mining that you don't find any treasure. Don't worry about it. I don't remember at any point having big, huge aha moments from Philippians 121. But I'm really glad I studied that. I'm really glad I mined with the pickaxe to go through Philippians. Because then God needed, God needed to bring it out and say, you need this right now. Psalm 23, when it came out when I needed it at a critical time in my life, I'm so glad I read it at that time because he brought it out. Didn't feel like much at the time when I was studying it, but it's valuable and it sits there. And when God needs to bring it out, he does. And there's going to be those times when you're in his word and you're like, oh. And then you want to sit down with others and say, look what I found. And you know why you want to do that? Because maybe that person didn't mind. And maybe you pulled the treasure out, and then you brought it over to them. And they may go, oh, my gosh. Or they may go, oh, that's really great. Hey, let me show you this cat video. Oh, let me show you what I saw here. Whatever. But get into his word, and when you find that treasure, share it. And find others like I have in my life where we go through it together and go, hey, you know what? What's going on here? Or they'll go out of their way to send me something. Well, look what I found. Can we talk about this? That's what's supposed to be happening in these groups in these small groups, in these triads, in these home groups, in these life groups, in these men's groups, in these women's groups. That's what's supposed to be happening, where we mine God's word together. Now, that's not all we do. I only started the first thing that is the evidence of the four primary things that the early church was doing, but they were committed to it. And it was just as hard for them as for us. They didn't even have a Bible. They didn't even have the New Testament. They had to wait 
They're like Peter and John and those guys to show up. And some of them were probably horrible communicators. I mean, they were fishermen and taxmen. Some, some of those guys were horrible communicators. So they were mining. They were doing some work. But look, look at, look at what we found so far this morning. And I'm, I'm giving you the big section. I don't even know how many, I should have counted how many words we were actually going through from the NIV. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Eight words. And we've gotten all that so far. And trust me, there's a lot more. What? You want me to keep going? No. Trust me, I can't. I got notes galore here. But let's pray. I want to invite up the worship team to lead us. Father God, we surrender to you. Make us a people, not just the people in this room, but the church of South Orange County, the church of California, the church in the United States, the church in North America, in the world. Bring us back to your word. Let us not come to use it as a weapon. Let us come to surrender to you, to be your people. Do what Mary did. Choose the right thing and not the other thing. We ask this in Jesus' name. So beautiful. I'm just so grateful for this Sunday morning and to be here with all of you. Uh, I just wanted to share, I was thinking when Greg was talking about God speaking to him, um, you know, when I was kind of re-energized in my faith and thinking, well, God's never spoke to me, but I was, I had like this idea of like a really audible, like, oh, <laughs> and, um, and I just don't think that that's true, you know, God speaks to us in so many different ways, and uh, exactly like he was talking about in the, the living word, and how different things stand out to us at different times, and that can be God speaking to us, or um, through another person, he can point something out to us that we hadn't considered before. It's just incredible all the ways that God can speak to us, and if we can be open to that, um, then we'll be able to receive it, and something that I haven't ever been able to really do is do it on my own, so I... I've seen, I don't know if you guys have ever seen somebody like grow in their faith or blossom or you've seen something happen, God do something for someone. And then um, when you point it out to them, they're like, oh, really? To me, it's because we're designed to be in community with each other to point these things out to each other because I don't see, always see the growth happening in me um, or the way that God's using me. Or even if a Bible verse stands out to me and I share it with someone, they might have a perspective that, like, finally clicks, right? Oh, that's why God's showing me this. Um, so I just want to invite us to go into this week and consider each other as tools, you know, that God's using each of us to impact each other and to show each other um, the light. And it's just such an incredible gift. So I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for each other. 
that you are doing a work in us and a work in each other, Lord. Let us be courageous in each other's lives and step into what you are telling us to show each other and to step into. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.